This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. In this world there's a whole lot of trouble, baby. In this world there's a whole lot of pain. In this world there's a whole lot of trouble, but a whole lot of ground to gain. Why take when you could be giving? Oh, I watch as the world goes by It's a hard enough life to be living Why walk when you can fly? Kiora, Talofa, Nihau Greetings, welcome Welcome to Quiet Minds Mental Health Radio Plains FM 96.9 Hi, my name is Nikki Reese, and today I'm in the hot seat for Quiet Minds and it's with pleasure that I'm in the hot seat as well. And joining us today are two people from Overeaters Anonymous. We have Fiona and Lucy in the studio. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. The idea of this program is to give people a bit of an idea about different organisations, what those organisations do, people's experiences within them, and you have agreed to come and talk about your journey through this organisation, which is fantastic, and thank you for doing that. So how did you begin to get an insight into this organisation that actually existed? When was your first kind of the starting point for you? Well, Fiona? Well, I had three different goes at um, coming along to OA. The first time I had been living overseas and I had finally acknowledged I had an eating disorder and I came back to New Zealand and my father had died and I was not in a very good place and I was crazy with food and crazy with over-exercising basically and I decided to go to OA. I'd heard about OA and so I went along and talked to this woman and i I don't even know if I actually went to a meeting, but I heard the word God and that put me off and she was a big person and I was terrified of catching other people's fat, which is a very strange concept, but my mind was pretty crazy at that point. Second time I went along and that was about five, ten years later and then I went to meetings and I listened to all the differences because everybody was talking about overeating and I was actually under-eating and I was bulimic and over-exercising and I thought, no, no, I don't belong here, went away again and then about another five years later came back the third time and thought, I belong here and was willing to stay at that point and willing to accept the concept of a higher power as long as it wasn't God. For me, I just had some some issues from the past about the word God. So, But it is a spiritual program that's based on your own concept of a higher power. So I was able to do that. And that's through. really important for a lot yeah, of people, isn't absolutely. it? Mm. Absolutely. And Lucy, how about you? What was your first kind of touch touching point with OA? Well, I was one of those people that from a very small age, I, you know, snuck extra food and stuff whenever I could. So um, I knew from an early age that I had a problem, but it took me a lot of (laughs) ups and downs, weight, diet, weight, diets and all that sort of thing until I got to the age of 31, where I happened to read an article in the Australian Woman's Weekly about Overeaters Anonymous. 
and I was able to tick this and tick that and tick that and oh dear that was me so I tried to find my way when I, I actually couldn't find it but then about maybe six to nine months later I thought, saw a little ad in the Southland Times where I lived and it said is eating is food a problem in your life sort of thing and I thought I found it and I had a P.O. box number, so I, that's when I wrote to them, got a response, and I decided to drive up to where the meetings were here in Christchurch, actually. Oh, wow. And I had my mother-in-law help me because I had a five-month-old with me. And um, so I came to my first meetings then, and I went home after a week thinking, I'm right now, I've got the magic food plan. So I went home and um, tried to start a meeting in my hometown of about 650 people and nothing happened. For two and a half years I tried and nothing happened but during that time it helped me and I recognised that but life happens. We moved as my, with my husband's work and moved again and moved again and I lost, I lost any um, <clears throat> attachment to OA. And it was 18 years later, instead of being overweight, I was now obese, that I actually came back in 1999. Saw the people I'd known 18 years before, and they were happy, and I thought, I wasn't very happy. <laughs> so I, the only thing I've really done properly was to keep coming back from that point onwards. Wow, so that was a really difficult journey for you, wasn't oh, it? It was, it was. The moving places, mm -hmm. losing that connection, mm -hmm. as you say, starting again essentially each time. Well, you know, I could have made that connection, but I wasn't ready. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a key thing, isn't it, for any addiction, is that you've got to be ready. Yeah, ready and willing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what was that like for you, Fiona? Well, I think the first two times I wasn't ready and willing, but the third time I was, I was clearly ready and willing and, you know, I was encouraged to get a sponsor, someone who could support me with the program and to keep in contact with her. So I rang her every day for the first couple of years and I also went to lots of other meetings and also they suggest going to AA meetings as well, so I went to some of those too, which I found really helpful because it just reinforced the the nature of the program, you know, the understanding what 12-step programs are about and the spirituality and just, you know, immersed me in the language of the program. So, you know, I was really ready and willing and followed what but why? people suggested. What, what got you to that point? Um, I think desperation for me, I just, like Lucy said, I wasn't happy. I was not happy and I would, I'd been searching, you know, I was a therapy junkie. I'd been going to workshops and courses and trying this and trying that and trying the, you know, the other and um, none of it was working. You know, it would work for a week or two and think, you know, I was fixed now but it didn't last. And the thing with, with OA, with the 12-step program, it's lasted. It's something that just had a fit for me. I was ready, um, I was willing to embrace the higher power, the spiritual concept, because I'd been searching for something spiritual as well, you know, trying different options around that as too. So uh, it just clicked for me, really, and, and um, yeah, can't, can't say 
anymore, but it was just like, this is where I need to be, this is where I belong, you know, and I heard people this time saying things that I related to and went, oh, yes, that's me. Can you give me an example of some of those things? Um, For me, it was the thinking, the obsession in my head. Yeah, sure, I was doing all the crazy behaviours, but at that point I got a little more sane with the food and it stopped over-exercising and abusing laxatives. But my thinking was still crazy and distorted. I still had a distorted body image. You know, I still thought I was fat, even though I wasn't. I still would make promises in my mind about what I was going to do around food or not do. And then I would blow it again and was always beating up on myself in my head, you know, constant criticism and judgment. And, you know, I didn't like myself. Basically, I felt like I was slowly committing suicide, you know, very slowly. Um, But I hated myself. I hated my body. So it was the thinking. The thinking was the thing that was really the most debilitating aspect of the disease for Mm. me, you know. Can you relate to that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I can it's definitely um, the what's between our ears <laughs> is where the disease resides. I mean, a person looking at Fiona might think she's normal. A person looking at me when I was obese would know there was something desperately wrong. Like I could get up in the morning <coughs> and paint on that happy face and go to work and work a job and come home and then my family would wear my frustrations for the day because I could be that nice person up to a point, and then I had to let it go. And I I really didn't know what was wrong with me. I knew I was overweight. I knew I ate the wrong foods. I knew, you know, all that sort of thing. But what really got me into OA finally was the fact that I had a a, a trigger of sorts in that um, I had a result from an investigation that wasn't very good. And I thought, you know, this is the end. It was like, this is the end for me, and um, I don't really want to carry on. I can't see this improving, you know, I can't stop eating. I don't want to eat, but I have no choice. I can't diet anymore. My last diet lasted an hour and a half, and then I gave up. And, you know, it's like I was in a really, really desperate place, and that's when I picked up the phone and went back to OA. So it did takes you have to what get it takes. that rock bottom? You had to. I had to get to that bottom. rock bottom of you know, like a lot of people can have suicidal thoughts. I'd had the odd one over the years when things didn't go my way, but this was more desperate. This was how am I going to do it and want to do it cleanly and you know these sort of thoughts, and I knew it was horrible. So I just sat with it for a bit, and then this little light bulb said, why don't you go back to OA? And I believe that now is my higher power saying, there's only one place for you, girl. (laughs) So I went back to OA and I went in with my tail between my legs. I no longer knew everything. I was just prepared to sit and listen. And I got a sponsor within three weeks. And that was something I hadn't got 18 years before was a sponsor. How key is that then? If I don't have a sponsor who will take me through the 12 steps, who will, you know, give me some suggestions as as to whether things are going well or not, because I don't always know. If I don't have that, it's like a mentor type person. 
if I don't have that in my life, then I play God. I'm, I just, that was me. I mean, the best I could do after so many years of life was to get to the point where I didn't want to live anymore. That's the best I could do. So I came and I started working the steps and I got the spirituality thing. And I got a, you know, I had a sponsor to help and things just changed almost immediately. Probably because I was in such a low point. Couldn't get any worse, that's for sure. Mm. And can you talk us through those changes and what brought you out of that? that well, the first dark six place? months, I went on to a pink cloud because here I was suddenly not eating anything except what was on my food plan and I couldn't believe I could even do that. And I thought, you know, oh, one meeting a week would be great. You know, I've got a lot to do in my 60-hour-a-week job. And, you know, Coronation Street was important to me. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up going to eight meetings a week because I'd heard someone say 90 meetings in 90 days and I knew I needed that. Mm. I could do my 60-hour-a-week job better and still get to a meeting a day plus two on either Saturday or Sunday. It was just like, Amazing that my my head, which was really quite crazy after putting the food down, I didn't realise how crazy it was. It started, you know, I started thinking about other people instead of myself, and that was a great, great improvement. I saw miracles in my own life and in other people's, just little miracles like um, being able to work with my son, who was in his twenty early twenties, and he was the rogue child but he was a rogue child because of the way I had treated him like I always wanted him to be perfect like the other two and he wasn't so he never felt loved by me until I worked with him and showed him that I did love him and um, he became I've got a great relationship now and I'm sure we wouldn't have had that if it wasn't for learning how to do these things through OA that's a real turnaround, isn't it? And I didn't go to OA to do that. I went to OA to lose weight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the benefits, yeah. the added benefits, and there are many, I'm sure. Mm. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm. So if if I was listening and I was thinking, gosh, I, I really feel like I've come to the point in my life where I actually do need some help, and maybe I've been there before, mm. and both of you have gave, given great examples of that process and, and that coming forward, going back, coming forward, going back, and that's a natural thing that can happen. When I go, if I step into that room, what am I going to see? What am I going to find? Well, I think for me it's a place where there's unconditional acceptance, you know, and people will share and people will nod their heads, you know, because they relate to it. And people can share the crazy things they do. You know, you can say what you did last night or, you know, today even, and no one's going to laugh at you. They might laugh with you because they relate, but they're not going to laugh at you in terms of judging you and saying you're a crazy person or, you know, you're sick or whatever. I mean, we do accept we're sick. We have a disease, that's for sure. But it's a disease that we're, we're treating and, you know, the, we believe that the 12-step program is, is the treatment we need. So you, you find people who share your experience, who are accepting of you and not judgmental. 
you find a place where you can just go and be yourself and you can be honest there and you can say as much or as little as you like especially when you first arrive because sometimes people are a bit nervous when they first come so they don't need to share a lot some people come and just spend their whole first meeting crying <laughs> you know because they go oh I've come home or you know something like that just a, a sense of you know identifying with with because we read a lot of literature, you know, which people identify from the literature, the symptoms and the kinds of things they've been doing in their lives. So it's not just the the way that their relationship with food, it's the behaviours that go around it as well, the crazy behaviours that, that people indulge in. And, you know, it's a place where you can come and have a sense of some hope. You know, there's something here that is going to give me some hope. And, and, you know, it mightn't be a quick fix, but there's some guidelines. There's some people there who can support you. I'm supporting some newcomers at the moment. And it's wonderful because part of the program is giving back what you've got. And I just love that because I get so much from supporting these young women and and going, oh, thank goodness I'm not there where they are now. But I can just offer them support and, and just talk about, share my experience, you know, what happened with me in the past. And and they're supporting one another as well, just running this little um, extra group. that We've got a, a program where you can just work with someone over the first 12 days. It was developed by OA in Sydney, and that's a really good extra support as well as people going to meetings. Hopefully that answers your question. (laughs) Yeah, and so I'm thinking about, you know, are there pockets of OA around Christchurch or around a town or a city? How does does it kind of operate as an organisation? Well, OA, where the need is, they start a new meeting. Where the need is, there's several meetings in Christchurch. There's one in Rangiora, there's two in Dunedin, got one in Nelson, one in... No, we don't have one in Blenheim at the moment, but we've got loners, but because of Zoom, they're not loners anymore, mm. which is great. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. What a great piece yeah. of technology yeah. that is working positively. Yeah. You should yeah. say audio-visual communications. <laughs> 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 yes, a lot of our meetings are hybrid now, so that they can be in person and we have the computer there with the, the people from out of town. Yeah, of course. Or the people who are not well or something mm-hmm. like that. I not even crossed my mind yeah. that that was a possibility, but of course yeah. it is, yes. yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm talking with Fiona and Lucy, and we're talking about Overeaters Anonymous as an organisation and their journeys within it. If people are there at the meeting, how long does it go on for? What What's the kind of format? It's just one hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so generally speaking, that's so. There's there's a set format to follow. This the, the kind of intro thing at the beginning. Then generally most meetings will le- read a bit of literature. I go to on um, Tuesday nights is a steps meeting. So each week we read a different step from the 12 steps and then people will share on that. So the people in the meeting, some of them will just share their, what we say, experience, strength and hope. So that's their experience of the disease, their strength of their recovery and their hope for, you know, continuing improvement in their lives. And newcomers can share what they what they wish when they come along as well. Mm. And then we close with the serenity prayer, usually at the end. You talked earlier, um, Fiona, about the, the young women that you've worked with and mentored through mm. this and the giving back and supporting them. And I'm sure you've probably done that too a lot, Lucy. 
Tell me about that relationship because it's. I just think I go back to thinking that it's so key for mm. progress. Mm. Well, I know, I know for me, um, having a sponsor over the years, and I've I've had sponsors locally here in Christchurch, but I've also had a sponsor in Australia, and now I'm part of a sponsorship group with one woman in Australia and two in the states. So we meet every Sunday morning on the audiovisual <laughs> format, and we're working the steps together. So we've got a step study group with these these women, and you know, so we have to get it the right time zone to fit everybody's needs. And then with these these young women, I'm I'm meeting with at the moment. You know, it's just an opportunity for people to have a chance to really be more honest, because sometimes people can't be so honest in a meeting, but in a small little group where they build the relationships they can be more honest. And I found that with myself over time, working with a sponsor, as I develop that relationship with that woman, I start to be more willing to say a bit more about what's going on and be a bit more honest and not have secrets because, you know, we talk about you're only as sick as your secrets and that's the thing is is to not have those and to, you know, just... put it all out there because the thing is that you're not judged you know you are accepted oftentimes you know put something out that you've been nervous to put out and your sponsor goes oh I remember doing that you know and so it's that identification again which is so helpful I I think these days and I agree or disagree with me but is it true or does it feel to you like these days things are a bit tougher for people around food. Is it more difficult around food now or is it is it easier? I mean, I know there's lots of information out there, but how do you see it? Lucy, you, you've been around for a while. I have. Um, I really don't know if it's any different. It's certainly got, like anorexia and bulimia, have certainly got a, a name out there now and people would know what's wrong with themselves immediately they start. I mean, I was anorexic for a year when I was at university and I tried bulimia and I couldn't keep it up because I just felt hungry the minute I'd finished so and when I felt hungry at that stage I ate I had no choice so it's like I think it's out there in in public in the public domain now and people can recognize what's wrong with themselves and they may go to they may go to counsellors and they may go to dietitians and we actually are happy to have the health professionals come and visit our meeting or we're happy to go to them and speak like we're speaking to you today. Great. And um, just happy to fill them in and happy to leave little business cards, things like that with them or flyers of any sort they might want. And we really tend to pick up the ones that the counsellors and the dietitians don't seem to be able to help, the ones that are really have a problem with food. I mean, it must be also very difficult for a patient even expressing that difficulty to a GP. Yeah, and I think sometimes GPs are still in the old mode of of dieting, you know, and that people can control their eating. And I know for me, I yes, I did. I was big into control as an anorexic and a bulimic. I was, you know, extraordinarily good at control, but it didn't get me anywhere. I just got me sicker and more unhappy. And that's the thing is we usually have a lot of willpower and control, but it's still, we can still be crazy. It's not the answer. And that's for me what I love about this program because I now can accept that I'm powerless over my food, crazy food behaviours 
and turn my life and will over to my higher power and have that spiritual concept. And I do believe today, you know, it's taken, it took me a while to come around to the higher power thing, but I do believe today I'm being looked after and that I can hand over anything. It's not just food behaviours, but any kinds of things that challenges that come along in life and um, difficulties and things like that. It's not just handing over, getting a car park outside here when I arrive. It's, it's handing over the big stuff and the little stuff as well and just accepting that I will not only get what I need in terms of support from my higher power, but I will be given the strength or the whatever I need within myself to manage any challenges and difficulties that come along because life isn't full of all kinds of great stuff. You know, this this challenges happen, but I believe that, you know, I have the strength and the support to manage those now with the help of my higher power. Is there anything else that you think people might need to know about Overeaters Anonymous or your own personal journeys. I mean, it's an, a, a very tough addiction, isn't it? It, it grabs yeah. and holds tight. Because the thing is that, you know, if you're putting down alcohol, yes, you can live without drinking and ha- picking up alcohol, but we have to eat. So <laughs> food is there constantly. Yeah. yeah. Possibly I would like to add that we don't have ultimatums in Overeaters Anonymous in that you can come along and work with a sponsor regarding your food plan. It's not like this is what you eat. It's more like, well, you know, what particular foods do you prefer and uh, should we be looking at cutting out sugar, white flour, (laughs) salted and roasted type things that are not necessarily healthy. And, um, you know, we, we don't... We don't tell a person what they have to do. They have to come to it themselves. And it's only our support. We support them along the way. I think it's important that you hear that. Yeah. So if people wanted to get in touch, can we give some contact details or a website? Um, there's a website, yeah. yeah. Yes, as oa.org. It's a website where they can go on, and that's the international one, and they can put in their time zone. Um, so you can put in the Christchurch time, and it'll show you the meetings that'll come up. We also have a website for the South Island, Te Waiponamu website, where you can go on and get a meetings list for the local you know, South Island meetings as and well. And that is oasouthisland.nz. OASouthisland.nz. Yeah, yeah. And there's a phone line you can phone. Um, there's a phone number. I don't recall it offhand. But and it's there's an listed. email system through the website. Mm. So there's yeah. plenty of ways to contact us. Yeah. <coughs> thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting talking with you. And thank you for the courage of coming in and sharing your experiences, your ideas, how to move forward and share what has worked for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. There's a whole lot of sorrow and a whole lot of ground to gain. When you spend your whole life wishing, wanting and wondering why, it's a long enough life to be living. Why walk when you can fly? You can download this and other Quiet Minds programs by going to plainsfm.org.nz and clicking on podcasts. This show repeats on Wednesdays at 10:30 a.m. 
Thanks for listening. In this world there's a whole lot of gold. In this world there's a whole lot of blame. In this world you've a soul for a compass and a heart for a pair of wings. There's a star on the far horizon, rising bright in an azure sky. For the rest of the time that you're given, why walk when you can fly high?